Thank you, Pastor, and thank you for the great invitation to be here on this day of celebration. What a day it is, eh? This is, uh, it's nice to see pictures and recognize people from the past. I, I so vivid, I was right in the Edmonton region when all, a lot of this unfolded. I'm that old already, as you can tell. Nobody, everybody goes, yeah, we, we really noticed that already. But it's, it is truly, it is exciting to be here today for so many reasons, just to see you and to celebrate and worship with you. But on this particular momentous occasion, as we are aware of steps that have been finished and the next things forward, as many as you know, I represent <clears throat> the group of churches, as Pastor Mark indicated, in Alberta and even in Saskatchewan and BC, associated with this church, with West Meadows Baptist Church, known as the Alberta Baptist Association. That's why we call it an association. We choose to do this together. And in particular, I'm excited to celebrate this amazing milestone. Uh, a milestone as a mortgage is retired. Some people say, well, that's just a big sigh of relief. But it is important for us to realize that a goal has been realized as this debt has been paid. A new opportunity, as Pastor Mark just prayed, a new opportunity is being ushered in. But of course... As we celebrate, as God's people, we know it does not, it must not escape us that we are here today to celebrate really the wonder of being the church. We're here to acknowledge the truth that the church, as the fulfillment of God's promise, the church as, as, as a, a step away from, from who we are as uh, passed before we knew him to being his chosen instrument, his beautiful bride, his very own body, really becomes this church, the church becomes a celebration of the greatness of our Lord, doesn't it? It's a celebration of his unrelenting redemptive agenda, of his ever faithful presence, and of his incomprehensible power. That's what we're celebrating. And when we turn our attention to the scriptures this morning, we find people of God in a very similar kind of celebration to where we are today as we see it prescribed in Joshua chapter 4. I know that you've been looking at Joshua. The pastors have been discussing that with me. And, and in Joshua chapter 4, I know you ventured there a couple of weeks ago. But in this chapter, we read, as the people of God were about to step away from a very long and sometimes difficult history in the wilderness to embark upon a new chapter in the ongoing saga of the journey of being with our Lord, as they were about to move forward into the promised land to step where they had never stepped before, Joshua called together, it says in chapter 12, verse 4. Joshua, chapter 4, verse 4. Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them these words. Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. These stones 
you're carrying out into the middle of the Jordan are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, hey, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. That's how we could get the stones out of the river in the first place. Israel crossed the Jordan on the dry ground. Question is how? For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we were able to cross over the Red Sea. Verse 24, he, God, did this. This is, a, this is important. He, God, did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. This incredible account of first steps in, out of the wilderness, of first steps into the promised land certainly teaches us that when the people of God are moving forward, it is important to take time to look back. But not to look back so as to boast or to congratulate each other. Not even to look back so as to strategize how things were done, maybe how we should do them. Rather, to look back to celebrate. Remembering that if God can hold back the waters of the Jordan, if God can lead wandering refugees to become a great nation, and if God can enable a group of humble Edmontonians to be the church in this area and to build a beautiful facility and to pay off such a large accumulated debt in less than optimum circumstances, if God can do that, then God can do anything. Do you believe that? If you do, then it's time to celebrate. I think we're about doing that already. <laughs> I love the festiveness of this. If you believe that, it's time to celebrate God. And in the future, when your descendants ask you, oh, what do the stones of this building mean? What does the story of this building reveal to us? Tell them. Tell them, he, the Lord your God, did this. Why? Why? So that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. There can be no doubt that when the people of God are moving forward, certainly they take time to look back in celebration of the Lord. But even before that, he instructs them to look within in consecration to the Lord. Just one chapter earlier, we're going to poke our heads back into that scripture. In chapter 3, verse 5, we read that before Joshua and the people of God ever touched their toes into the river Jordan, and it parted, before that, certainly in preparation for the crucial milestone to be realized, before that, 
Joshua intentionally and profoundly determined to prepare the people of God, saying, verse 5, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. In almost poetic fashion, Joshua is saying, if you want to see something amazing, if you want to be part of something which will go off the charts in terms of celebration, then once again, Joshua says, consecrate yourselves. Set yourselves apart from the ordinary. That's what consecration means. Be pure and holy as God himself is holy, which of course means a whole bunch of things, but for sure it means light a lamp to cut through the dark places that may still be shadowing in your life. Open the shutters of your hearts to brighten up those shadowed places of hurt, of doubt, of fear, of question, maybe even of sin, and then deal with it. Confess it. Admit it. Become accountable to someone regarding it so that you can wake up tomorrow to a new day, a new beginning, new possibilities, the miraculous, to the amazing things the Lord wants to do. Do you think the Lord wants to do some amazing things in this secularized world that we are living in? Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Not maybe, not if you're lucky, not if you're... You know, you know, somehow do something weird. He will do it if you consecrate yourself. So, do you expect those amazing things among you? As you pause today to acknowledge the past few years have at times felt a bit like the wilderness, but also to celebrate the Lord's faithfulness through the high times and the difficult times, as you pause to celebrate what astonishing things do you think God wants to do in your life from today unto tomorrow and the next days and the years forward? What do you think he wants to do? What amazing things does he want to do in this church and through this church as you move forward? Are you hoping for, are you praying for, looking for a miracle tomorrow? A miracle? It's what it takes when things begin with consecration, they inevitably end with celebration. Whenever we first look within, we can invariably declare, look out! <laughs> the Lord is about to do amazing things among us. But then, what kinds of amazing things? What should we be expecting? And perhaps even more importantly, as we are expecting those amazing things, what should we be focused upon? Where exactly should we be looking? Well, as we return even just one more time to that biblical text in chapter 3, verse 2, we discover, not surprisingly, that Joshua's officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. This is the order. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. When you see the leaders carrying the ark of the Lord, you are to move out from where you are and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been that place before. You've never been this way before. Among the people of God in Joshua's day, the ark of the covenant, literally the box containing the covenant between God and his people, the ark of the covenant 
remained the visible evidence of God's invisible presence. It was in that day that non-verbal description as to where God is. It was a marker. It was a flag as to the location of God. But most importantly, the Ark of the Covenant was a statement regarding the findability of God. That even though he is the uncontainable one who can and does transform reality without hardly a word, even though that's true, he has the ability to fit into this world, into this church, into our lives. In fact, he desires to bend into our time and space. That's why Jesus arrived centuries after this scripture was written. So the Ark of the Covenant signaled God's very real presence in so many words, wherever the Ark was, so was God. And that's why, in Joshua's day, the ark was to remain the focus of attention among the people of God. It perpetually signaled his presence and his, and his grace as he unfolded his strategy for a community of faith that needed to move forward for the people of God to get to where they belonged. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, you are to move out from where you are, from your positions, and follow it. Follow it. Even if it moves beyond reasons at times, follow it. Even when it moves to unexpected places in unexpected ways, follow it. Even when it moves into the murky, uncertain, precarious streams of life, like the Jordan, follow it. Because as Joshua so aptly explained, if you follow it, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. You and I have never been to tomorrow before. We have never been to what's going to happen in the next decade before. Even though we've never been there before, where do we look? What do we do? How do we know what to do? Follow the Lord. Pay attention to him. Friends, consecration, as we cleanse ourselves from within regularly. Consecration is for the sake of concentration. Finding cleansing from the smudges and the grudges in our lives, finding release from the dirt and the hurt in our lives will remove the burden of the distraction from our lives, will enable us to see clearly again about our lives, will free us to move forward unencumbered into the promised land to exactly where he really wants us to be. Consecration is for the sake of concentration. So many times we just need to get to that core reality. Consecration keeps us focused on the Lord. Consecration keeps us attentive to the next move of God in our lives, individually, but in our life, corporately, as the church. Consecration readies us as his people overall, as his community of faith as the church, to do whatever he asks, to keep following our Lord. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, you are to move out from where you are and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been that way before. So consecrate yourselves, Joshua said, for tomorrow... The Lord will do amazing things among you. 
When the people of God are moving forward, certainly they look back in celebration of our Lord. But even before that, they look within in consecration to our Lord so that they can look ahead in concentration upon our Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Celebration champions one of the fundamental truths of scriptures as it describes in the classic Westminster Confession that the chief end of mankind is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of mankind is really to celebrate him forever. So if you're looking back and finding his confidence, then it's time to celebrate. If you're looking within and finding his freedom, it's time to celebrate. If you're looking ahead and finding his direction, it's time to celebrate. There can be no doubt that God's community moving forward will always be a community of celebration. So let the party begin. God bless you.